the text for today, in preparation for today, that song takes on a whole different meaning, doesn't it? Puts it in a fresh light. Our text today that we're going to focus on, we've been working through the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible, and we're finding our way to Exodus chapter 11 today. And so you go ahead and turn to Exodus 11. If you're using the Pew Bible, you will find Exodus 11 on page 53. 53, Exodus 11. You know, for the past several weeks, we've been working our way through the book of Exodus. In the first few chapters, you probably thought we were taking our time until last week, right? <laughs> Go through nine plagues in one week. It kind of reminds me of the DreamWorks movie that was put together to illustrate these first few chapters of Exodus, entitled The Prince of Egypt. And one of my favorite parts of the movie is the portrayal of the plagues. And they portray it just the way the Bible does as far as the concentration on the first nine plagues. And they run through the song, Let My People Go. And they, they, they show all the different plagues. And then they get to the plague of darkness. And the song comes to an end. And the movie almost screeches to a halt. And it gets your attention that what's about to take place is the most important the part. And friends, that's what our text does with us today as well. The first nine plagues are, are told in three waves, one right after another. But we get to the ninth plague or to the tenth plague, and all of a sudden it screeches to a halt and spends three chapters saying the same thing three times in three different ways. And it wakes you up as a reader and says, what is so important about this plague that I need to pay attention to it? Now, up to this point, you know, God has made this promise that he was going to, to take Israel out of Egypt. In fact, if you go back to Exodus 3, there are at least five promises that, that God makes to Moses. I will take Israel out of Egypt to Canaan. Israel will listen to your voice and follow you. Pharaoh will let you go after I stretch out my strong hand against him. I will give Israel favor in the Egyptians' eyes to shower you with gold and silver. Then you will return to this very mountain. Now, if our story were to stop in chapter 10, we would be left asking, is God going to be faithful to his promises? Before Moses went into Pharaoh for the first time, when God was setting him apart as his messenger, in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 through 23, God also promised that because Pharaoh was killing the Israelites, God's firstborn, so the Lord was going to kill Pharaoh's firstborn if he did not set God's people free. So at the end of chapter 10, have God's children been set free yet? No. Has Pharaoh's firstborn son been killed yet? No. Then we should be expecting more judgment to come from God. Now, when Moses received these promises from God, he, he, he had a question in response. After all, he'd already tried to deliver Israel one time, and they weren't having it. They didn't want to follow his voice. 
So Moses asked this, What shall I say to Israel when I tell them the God of their father sent me to them? And they ask, What's his name? And God responds with the words of truth that he is the great I am, the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means all those promises that, gave, that God gave to Abraham were still going to be fulfilled. And then he backed it up with some wonderful works, miraculous works that only God could do as a sign that he was going to be faithful to his character, the great I am. So what happened when Moses and Aaron went to, first of all, the elders of Israel? They spoke God's word. They showed God's signs. And the people responded in belief and worship. Something different happened. Well, that begins a pattern that you can trace through the whole book of Exodus. In fact, that is something you need to pay attention to as we go through the rest of the book of Exodus. And we get to the end of Exodus, it's going to be a concentration of God said, Moses did, just as God commanded. But there's a little surprise ending at the end of the book that I'm not going to tell you. You have to wait till we get there. But what's the pattern? God sends his word to his messenger. His messenger takes God's word to his people. And then there is a response that is demanded. There's one of two ways that God's people can respond to his man. One of two ways that people will respond to God's word and works. One, not God's people, will reject God's word, which will result in a hardening of his heart and more judgment. We've already seen that in Pharaoh, haven't we? The other response is that one will receive God's word and respond in faith and worship which then results in deliverance from God's judgments. And the same is true for us today. So as we come to this text and we see how God delivers Israel from the oppression of the Egyptians, when we get to the end, we will ask, how are we responding to God's words in our works, in his works in our lives? Now, Pharaoh's response to God's word was, in Exodus 5, 2, who is the Lord? I don't know him. Why should I obey his voice? Very bold rebellion. And so chapters 7 through 11, these great series of plagues, is God's response to Pharaoh. Egypt had numerous gods. And in chapters 7 through 11, God says, I am greater than this God. I rule over this God. I rule over this God. I am the one who is ruling in Egypt today. In fact, in just chapter 711, if you were to expand it beyond that, you will find more. But just in 7 through 11, Pharaoh is told six times, the Egyptians one time, and Israel five times, that these signs, these wonders, these plagues were taking place so that you will know that I am the Lord, Yahweh. And so as we look at the text before us today, in chapters 11 through 13, we will see, first of all, the Lord will warn Pharaoh one more time. He will instruct Israel about the coming plague. 
The Lord will work just as he said, and fourthly, the Lord will instruct Israel in memorializing this saving work. And in these ways, God will declare for all of us today to give a response to this this statement by God. I am the Lord who sets apart and saves my people by death. I am the Lord who sets apart and saves my people by death. So let's begin by reading Exodus chapter 11. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man, excuse me, every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And Moses went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. The Lord said to Moses, there's going to be one more plague. Pharaoh will not only let you go after this plague, though, he will actually drive you out completely, God said. And furthermore, I will give you favor in the eyes of the Egyptians so that they will shower you with the best home-warming gifts ever, a bunch of silver and gold. By the way, keep track of that silver and gold as we go through the book of Exodus. And if you continue reading the book of Numbers, it becomes very important. Here is all this gold and silver that's going to be given to them. What was it like when Moses left Egypt? He was running for his life because Pharaoh was looking to kill him. And now... Here, he was going to be given favor. So Moses went back just as God told him to. Moses obeyed the Lord. He gave God's message to Pharaoh. He said what? There's going to be a death of your firstborn, Pharaoh. This plague is going to be a little more personal this time. Pharaoh has seen how all of the plagues have impacted his nation. And yes, he was impacted by it too, but it didn't end his dynasty. 
He was the greatest God in the land of Egypt because he was the son of a God's. And yet this time, God was going to show that no, I am God, not you. So God warned Pharaoh through Moses that this would be the result if Pharaoh did not let Israel go. But Pharaoh hardened his heart, God hardened his heart this time, and he did not let him go. Why? Why was God doing this? Did you catch it? So that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. God makes a distinction between Egypt and his people. Pharaoh, this is why it's going to happen. Moses, this is why it's going to happen. Israel, this is why this is going to happen. Each of the plagues show that God is the Lord in Egypt, but this one is attack on God, on Pharaoh himself. He says, I make a distinction, and secondly, I am the Lord who rules in Egypt. Not you, Pharaoh. So how did Moses and Aaron respond? We're told they're at the very last, last verse there, verse 10. Moses and Aaron did everything that God had told them to do. There was faith. Okay, God, this is what you're saying. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to do exactly what you said. Pharaoh did not let them go, though. Do you think Moses wavered? Well, we move on to chapter 12. God comes back. He gives some more instructions to Moses and Aaron. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for one lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost of, two doorposts in the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or broiled in water, but roasted. Its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord." The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever you shall keep it as a feast." Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, 
On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month from the 14th day of the month at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses, and if anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel." Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. Now, there's a lot of time and attention given to this. Now, he's already said what he's going to do. He's told briefly when he instructed Moses in chapter 11, this is what you're to say to Pharaoh. Now, when he gives instructions to Moses and Aaron for the children of Israel, he goes into great detail, doesn't he? He tells them not exact, just exactly what they're to set aside, how they're to set it aside, for how long, what day, how it's to be cooked, how it's to be eaten, who all is supposed to eat it, and in the morning there is to be nothing left, and if there is, burn it. Because it's only for the people that are in that house. Why is there so much attention devoted to this plague? Well, one of the distinctions we have in this plague is seen in the fact that there's a lot of instructions given to Israel about how they are to endure the plague. Now, if we go back through the other plagues, you will notice that there's other times when God has explicitly stated that Israel is distinct from Egypt, that they will not experience the plagues. But in those other plagues, they didn't have to do anything. This one is different. What makes it different? If you look at each of these sets of instructions, there's almost a, a, an arrowhead that points to the middle. 
in a couple different places. And maybe you heard the way I read it. I read it in such a way to emphasize those parts. One is in verses 11 and 12. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt. Do you remember what God told Moses to do to initiate the other nine plagues? He said, Moses, take the staff that is in your hand and do my wonders. What's different here? There's no staff. Not only is there no staff, there's no Moses. God is doing this. God is going to pass through the land of Egypt. And dear friend, that makes a big difference. That takes us clear back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve rebelled against the words and the instructions of the Lord, what happened to Adam and Eve? They were removed from the presence of the Lord. And God said, in the day you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will die. For sinful man cannot have a relationship with a holy and almighty God. And so this plague, it's going to be different. God is going to pass through the land. I am the Lord your God, he says. I will pass through the land. I will strike all the firstborn of man and beast. I will execute the judgments. But then the next part, what did he say? When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Isn't that beautiful? Put yourself in the shoes of the firstborn in Egypt. How many firstborn males do we have here today? All right? Put yourself in his shoes. Is it going to work? Dad, you got the lamb set aside, right? You picked out a good lamb, right? <laughs> it's not sick. Set it aside on the 10th day. Give it four days to make sure you got a good one. Mom, did you cook it right? Did you get the bitter herbs? Because there's going to be a cry throughout the land of Egypt. In fact, every house in Egypt had something dead in it that night. The Egyptians who didn't have the blood on the door, the firstborn would die. But in Israel, as God is passing through the land, the blood is on the door of that house. And they're eating the flesh of that sacrifice. How are they eating it? As if a bedtime snack getting ready for bed? Nope. What do they have on? Reminds me of another movie. It reminds me of the sound of music. We have our traveling clothes on, right? Staff in their hands, sandals on their feet, belt around their waist. They are ready to go. In fact, God said you're going to have unleavened bread because of the haste in which, within which you're going to have to leave. And so here they are, they're eating it, and in the sustenance of the meat that they're eating, the sustenance of the Passover lamb, they are going to make their way out of Egypt, and for the first time, Israel in this chapter is called the congregation, the people of God. How? 
the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. God would pass, see the blood and pass over them. He would not destroy them. Why? Because I am the Lord who sets apart and saves my people by death. If you notice, there's two things he talks about this. In verse 2, he says, this Passover is going to be the beginning of months. And then in verse 14, he says, this shall also be to you a memorial day. First of all, it's going to be a beginning of months. This was going to be their new year. Now, they had two, two calendars. This would be the beginning of the religious calendar. And as you go through the book of Leviticus and you see the other sacrifices, the other offerings, the other rituals that they would do in a, in, as a people of God to worship God, everything would start with Passover and be calculated from there. Because it was be a new birth. It was through the death of a lamb, they were beginning new life. Life as a nation. Life as a people of God. In verses 14 to 27, we see it's also be a memorial day. Now, we just celebrate memorial day here as a, as a nation, right? All sorts of traditions that are a part of it. It's a time to celebrate those in our armed forces who have died. Those who have gone before us to secure our, and defend our country. And we have all sorts of traditions. Indy 500 comes to mind, right? Everyone flocks to the Indianapolis for that time. Others, it's a time for family picnics. We had a church family picnic, right? Ice cream, parades, fireworks. But in all of our traditions, how many of our traditions have anything actually to do with Memorial Day? I can remember as a kid going with my grandma to a cemetery. Now, she was going to put flowers on her husband's grave. But I can remember as a kid and joining grandma in that exercise, seeing all the flags that were being placed on the other graves. But most of our traditions really don't have anything to do with Memorial Day. But when God sets up a Memorial Day, he's very specific on what was to take place. He said, there's going to be a sacrifice, but you're not going to put blood on the doors next time. This is the only time. This night is the only time the blood's going to be applied to the door. It's only necessary for salvation from the judgment of God this one time from being put on the door. The next time, it's just going to be in memory of that one sacrifice. And along with that, there's going to be this feast of unleavened bread that's going to flow out of it because of the haste you left. So remove all the leaven from your house. Now, in the Old Testament, you have this idea of unleavened bread. The New Testament equates the leaven with sin. The idea of putting things apart from you. Now, just here in Exodus, he says, it's because of the haste with which you had to go. You didn't have time for the bread to rise. They were to gather together. It was to be a, a, a holiday that they were to come to Jerusalem, which they didn't even know about yet. There was to be rest on the first and seventh days. And all those days, only unleavened bread was what they were to eat. Now why? Why would God want them to remember this? Why would God say that they were to do these things? Because he wanted them to remember, I brought your host out of the land of Egypt 
And I did it quickly. I did it suddenly. I was the one that provided salvation for you. I was the one that looked at the blood and passed over you. I was the one that made provision for you to receive my mercy in my presence rather than experiencing my judgment that night. Because on that night, Egypt weren't the only, weren't the only ones that were guilty and deserving of God's wrath. It's because God wanted them to remember you had nothing to do with your deliverance except one thing, faith. God has said something. God has said, this is how I can receive salvation. Now I have a response. Am I going to believe God? How would you know if I believed God? How would you know I was trusting in God's Passover lamb? <laughs> I would do it. I would select that lamb, I would set it aside for four days, and on that 14th day, I would sacrifice it, I'd make sure my wife roasted it right, I would make sure we ate it right, and in the morning, I'd make sure it was all burned up so that no one from outside the house could eat anything that was left over from it, because that was just for that house. And so my faith in God's word would be resulted and seen in my obedience. What would happen if Israel would not follow God's words? In verses 15 and 19, we read what? And I just lost my place. Wouldn't you love when I do that? If anyone eats what is leavened, if anyone does not follow God's word from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off. He repeats in verse 19. Seven days, no leaven is be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off. There's two being cut off here. God has set apart Moses from everyone else to be his messenger. God is setting apart Israel as his people. But he says, if you don't follow my instructions, there's going to be a different cutting off. You will be removed from this congregation. If you don't remove the leaven, I will remove you from my people. Why? Because I am the Lord. My word is supreme. Do what I tell you to do. Verses 21 through 27, God gives, or Moses gives the Lord's word to Israel. Repetition of it once again. He reiterated God's instructions to the elders. Now in the previous section, a lot of ink is devoted to the specific instructions. But this only takes up a couple of verses. But what does he emphasize? He emphasizes in this, in his instructions, he doesn't repeat everything, but what he does repeat is verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. When the Lord sees the blood on the lintel, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Verse 25, when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he promised. Verse 27, this is the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared your houses. Where does his emphasis lie? This is the Lord's doing. It's the Lord's judgment, it's the Lord's salvation through the Lord's Passover. And there's a little promise there, right? It says, when you get to the promised land, remember this. 
Memorialize it. You will get there. And what does he say there to do? You observe it. You keep it. When your children ask you, why are we doing this, mom and dad? Tell them the story. That's why on the first Sunday of the month, you'll notice we have our kids in here. Because we celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. And the whole purpose of God's memorials are for us to pass along the same instructions, the same truths of God's salvation to our kids so that when we participate in our kids ask, why are we doing this? What does this mean? And we could say, let me tell you a story that's in God's word about another Passover lamb who died in our place that we could be set free from our sins. And so the Lord gives these instructions to Moses. Moses gives them to Israel. The people are only responsible for observing it, coming, serving, and saying. And that's exactly what they do. And so then we get to the next part of the story. In verses 29 through 42, the Lord Jesus Christ does exactly what he said he was going to do. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. And then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, take your herds as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver, gold, jewelry, and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. What <laughs> a picture! 37, the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves, but God did. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Just as the Lord said, the firstborn was struck down. There was a great cry in all the land. Pharaoh expelled God's people. The Lord gave Israel favor. The Egyptians expelled Israel from their presence. And God's people had unleavened bread and needed their traveling clothes on because it happened so quickly. Before the Passover, Israel couldn't leave Egypt. After the Passover, 
Israel couldn't stay. So Israel ate with their traveling clothes on, and they would journey with God in the sustenance of the meal that God provided for them. Israel was in the land for 400 years and was delivered by the watching of the Lord. If you go back to the beginning of the book, you'll remember that Israel thought that God had forgotten them. But here we see that God has been watching them all along and keeping them for the day of their salvation, their deliverance. So, if you expand it beyond even the book of Exodus, we already talked about how God was faithful to the promises he made to Moses in Exodus 3. Back up a book to Genesis chapter 50, verse 25. Do you remember what Joseph told his, his family when he died? Hey, don't bury my bones, embalm me. Because you're going to the promised land. Jacob, Genesis 46, 3 through 4. God told Jacob, this is what's going to happen. Go ahead and go to Egypt. You're going to be there for a while. But one day, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I'm taking you back to the promised land. And he's faithful to what he told Abraham as well. I will give your people this land. But there's another part of this last section here. I don't know if you caught it. And if you go on to the next section in verse 43, go ahead and look there for a minute before I, before I tell you. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statue of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it. But every slave that is bought for money may eat of it. After you have circumcised him. Verse 45. No foreigner or hired worker may eat it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house. And you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then, then, even the stranger, even the one who's from outside the land, even the one who's not born an Israelite, even the immigrant that's in your midst, he may come near and keep it, and he shall be treated as a native of the land. But, warning, no uncircumcised person shall eat it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. And all the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded. God was faithful to his promises, but one of those promises to Abraham was, do you remember? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And through your family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so what went up from Egypt? A mixed multitude. There were Egyptians that said, this is the Lord God. And I want to have a relationship with him. And they identified with Israel so that they then could partake in the blessings of the Lord to his people. He said, when the Lord brings you to land, don't forget these things, do these things. 
There's one other part in chapter 13. We get the, another a third way. You have the sacrifice lamb that was to be memorialized. You had the feast of the unleavened bread. And then you get to 13, verse 1. He says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of men and of beasts, is mine. And he goes into more detail as you work through the next 15 verses of 13. So you have three ways this is to be memorized, or be memorialized. In one time of the year, the new year, you'd have a sacrifice as a congregation of people and to have the Feast of the Unleavened Bread for seven days. But throughout the rest of the year, don't forget this Passover, and this is how I want you to remember it. Every time a firstborn child is born, you're to have a sacrifice. Not the firstborn, but he gives instructions. You can redeem the firstborn of man with the sacrifice of a lamb. Animals, firstborn animals, his life was to be taken throughout their generations. Constant reminder of looking back to how God made them a new people, how God gave them new life, and looking ahead to the promises of God that they'd be fulfilled exactly the way he had said based upon his past works. Israel moved into the promised land eventually, and they kept these things part of the time. <laughs> Do you remember King Josiah? He found the word of the Lord in the temple and had it read to him. He's like, wait a minute. We haven't been keeping Passover. And so they cast out the leaven from their presence. They repented in dust and ashes, and they celebrated the life that God had given to them. And God blessed him for it. But eventually, God would cast them away for another 400 years. 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament. Where God's word didn't come to Israel anymore. But God spoke through his son at the end of that 400 years. The firstborn of creation, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, God's only beloved son. Why did he come to the earth? Because the blood of bulls and goats and animals cannot take away the sin that dwells in man. And God's intent... The promise from clear back in Genesis chapter 3 was that God was going to crush Satan's rule. That he was going to redeem a people unto himself. That their sins would be wiped out. That they'd be given forgiveness. That they'd be given new life. That they could dwell with God forever without fear. And that hadn't happened yet. Because there's no man that had been born up to that point who could live a perfect, sinless life. So consider the life of Jesus. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to be that final Passover Lamb. 
on the last week of his life before the resurrection, he entered into Jerusalem. Do you remember why he was insistent upon going to Jerusalem other than the fact that he was going to suffer and die? Do you remember what he wanted to celebrate? Passover. His disciples said, no, don't go to Jerusalem. They want to kill you. And he said, no, I must suffer. I must die. And before I do, I want to celebrate Passover with you one more time. So he instructed his disciples on how they were prepared for Passover. They went and did just as God had told them. They get up to the upper room. They eat the meal. And Jesus then takes the Passover meal. And in the midst of that, he looks at his disciples. He said, this is fulfilled in me. This cup of the vine is my blood, which is going to be shed for you. This bread, this unleavened bread that we're eating, that we're tearing and passing around, that's my body that is broken for you. I am the bread of life. You must drink my blood. You must eat my flesh. And if you do, my blood will cover you. And you will not experience the wrath of God. I will satisfy God's wrath. So when he looks at me, my blood, he will pass over you. And then what did he say? Do this in remembrance of me. Friends, we chose to do communion at the end of the service today for this reason. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, it is as if we are celebrating the Passover. But not the Passover from the Old Testament. It's from the New Covenant. And we read in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, chapter 23, Paul gives this instruction, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, the Passover lamb, until he comes. And what's he going to come and what will he do when he comes? He will inaugurate his kingdom and we will forever be with our God without fear. How many times was the Passover lamb killed? Once. When was the blood applied? Once. For all time. Jesus said, I have come to be a curse so that you might become the righteousness of God. And so as we come to this supper, if you take off the clear section on top first, If you are here this morning 
and you are trusting in the works and words of God, that he provides salvation alone through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his perfect life, his substitute death, and his victorious resurrection, then this is to be a memorial service that you should celebrate in memory of what Christ has done for you. While you look forward to what God is completing in you and what he promises to do in the new heavens and earth. But dear friend, if you are sitting here this morning and you have not identified yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're outside of that house. His blood is not applied to the doorpost of your heart. And he says, those who eat and drink this blood in an unworthy manner will be cut off. He also says to the Christians, if you're living as the Egyptians, if you're not living as one who is consecrated to me in holiness, do not partake. If you're bearing reproach on my sacrifice. But the answer to all those is, Repent. Trust in God's word. Believe that this doesn't save you. It's Jesus' death, the actual act, not the memorial. And ask Christ that he would change your life, that you would live as a child of God. That day in and day out, what you say, what you think, what you desire would be in keeping with God himself. And If that is the heart attitude of you today, then let's partake in this with great thanksgiving for what God has done. Let's give God thanks. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Passover lamb, who came born of a woman, born under the curse of the law, that we might be set free. We thank you, dear Lord, for living the life that we could not live, for bearing the pain of this life, the curse of this life, but also bearing and satisfying the wrath of God for us. Thank you for breaking your body that we might be sustained. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper, he also took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you go back to Matthew chapter 26, you will see on the night which Jesus instituted this memorial supper, he gave his instructions one more thing to his disciples. He said, hey, before we go out, let's sing a hymn. And so at this time, I'm going to ask you, you can stand or sit, whichever you choose. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a hymn, one that celebrates Jesus as our Passover lamb.
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Twas blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and in the days to come and forevermore. Amen.